Lecture topic. Drawing the mercy of Allah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi alladheen astafa. Amma ba'du fa'audhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. ورحمتي وسعت كل شيء فساكتبها للذين يتقون ويؤتون الزكاه والذين هم باياتنا يؤمنون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الراحمون يرحمهم الرحمن تبارك وتعالى ارحموا من في الارض يرحمكم من في السماء او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected students of deen mothers and sisters no matter who it may be any mu'min whether it is somebody very very conscious of allah taala somebody far away from deen unfortunately there are certain things that every single person is very desirous of there are certain things which despite its very essential importance but some people don't take any care salah is the most important obligation of deen but some times we take it for granted we just are haphazard about it allah forbid some masjid and don't think anything about it then there are other commands of allah taala which are sometimes violated and without any real consciousness care what am i doing where am i heading to what i want and where i am going sometimes the person is going in the totally opposite direction of what he where he wants to reach it's like a person wants to go to the east but he's driving towards the west if he's driving towards the west where you going to ever reach the east so now there are certain things despite whatever our condition is there are certain things everybody is very desirous of for example everyone knows the word barakat and there's not a single person that you'll find who will say he does not want barakat or she does not want barakat nauzubillah that would be a very serious thing for somebody to say something like that and the point is that nobody ever says it everybody is desirous of barakat likewise rahmat allah taala's rahmat who on earth is ever going to say that they don't want allah taala's rahmat we can't survive for one fraction of a second also without the rahmat of allah taala but even the person who is not conscious of that reality person who is far away from allah taala far away from the obedience of allah taala far away from the laws of sharia very deep into many impermissible things lot of haram but that person also if you ask the question that are you also wanting rahmat say obviously who doesn't want rahmat so rahmat barakat rahmat these are things everybody wants so when we want the rahmat and without the rahmat we can't survive 
And it is because that special Rahmat has not been drawn down. So we see so many problems, so many difficulties, so many hardships. So it is very obvious then that if we want the Rahmat, then we have to do that which will bring the Rahmat. If a person wants to feel cool, but he sits next to the fire, so what he's going to feel? He's going to feel the heat, he's going to feel the intensity of the heat, to the, the closer he gets to the fire, that's what he'll feel. A person wants to feel warm, but he's going to stand next to an air conditioner, he's going to stand inside the cold room, so what's going to happen? The opposite. So likewise, we want Rahmat. So if we want Rahmat, we will have to do that which brings down Allah Ta'ala's Rahmat. And Allah forbid, if we do the opposite, then the opposite will happen. Because that's the system in dunya, Allah Ta'ala has placed in dunya that system, that generally this is what will be the case. A person, what he does, then the what is in that aspect in terms of the effect, the consequences, that's what will be felt, what will be experienced. So now we want Rahmat from Allah Ta'ala. It is with the Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala that we will be at peace, we will be content, we will be happy. These are all things that are related to the heart. It's not related to things outside. Happiness is related to the heart. If the heart is happy, then a person is happy. A person is not happy because he is sitting on a very luxurious couch or he is flying first class somewhere or he is eating the most delicious food. Perhaps it was last week or one of the days prior, occasions prior to this, the mention was made of one person who expressed his own experience, says he was so deep in debt and because he was caught up in the severe debt and then on top of that the haram of borrowing on interest, he says the most beautiful and delicious food, most exquisite food, eating that food and biting on cardboard really made no difference. So obviously cardboard is not going to nourish you, Cardboard, you can't eat cardboard, but in terms of the taste, if somebody had to be biting on cardboard, what taste he'll get? Now food, while the purpose of food is nourishment, but we have not been prohibited from trying to make the food taste better. Obviously there are limits to everything, that to what extent the person goes to do something, but there's no harm in doing something that will make the food more palatable, make it more tastier. That's fine. In fact, it is established from Hadith Sharif. One, uh, one some Sahaba who were very young in the time of Nabi Karim Wasallam, And when Nabi Wasallam left this dunya, they were still quite young. Abdullah bin Abbas, Abdullah bin Jafar, one to other Sahaba. And one day they came to one very elderly lady, by the name of Salma radiallahu ta'ala anha, she at one point in time used to also cook for Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa Cook now, our mind goes in terms of what we understand, what is cooking all about. So in this 
time and age you talk about somebody cooking for someone else, then we think about all the elaborate and detailed preparations. In those days things were very, very basic and simple. So in any case, because she used to cook sometimes for Nabiya Karim Wasallam, so this Sahaba came specifically to ask her that please prepare that dish and give us to eat what Nabiya Karim Wasallam used to relish. So now, they were very young when Nabi Wasallam left this dunya. So now they were wanting to know what he relished to eat. We will also try to eat the same. So they came and asked her. So when they presented this request, she was an elderly lady, they presented this request. So she said, look, you're not going to manage it. Now who is she talking about? She's talking to Sahaba of that time. She said, no, you won't manage it. She said, don't worry, you do it for us. And then we, we want to learn, we want to see what Nabi Sallallahu ate with relish, what he enjoyed eating. So in any case, now when they said this, so she then woke up, she took a handful of barley, some little bit of oil, or fat or whatever it might have been, and then she put in some, what is the word in the Hadith Sharif used as At-Tawabil. Tawabil means some little, what is termed as spices. So there might have been two, three things, there might have been some salt in it, there might have been something else, for our understanding now, something like black pepper or whatever it might have been. A couple of things that can be termed as spices. And she put it into that. And then she just cooked it for a while. And then she presented it to them. And she said, this is the dish that Nabi Sallallahu relished. This was, in our understanding, what we might call, something that was like among the favorites. So subhanallah, such a simple dish, and this is how Nabi Sallallahu would spend his days, sometimes just eating something of this nature, sometimes only khajur and water for two months in a row. So now the lesson in this was, number one, the Sahaba, their zeal to learn about Nabi Karim Sallallahu and to try and follow in his footsteps, though this is something of a very high level, we can't imagine trying to be fully on that path every day, but occasionally we try to do something in that regard as well. But then in this, this was the point we digressed at, the commentators of Hadith state that these few things that were of a, of a nature of some spices, it shows that if you can make the food more palatable in some way, there's no harm in it. Let's establish some sunnah. So coming back to what we were talking about, there's no harm in eating something more palatable, something that has been cooked in a better way, more tastier. But we are talking about the comment of this person, that when you are in that kind of situation, your mind is overwhelmed with all these issues. So at that time he says, you can't make out the difference between what you're eating and cardboard. Now what is the bottom line of this? That taste comes from what is in the heart. That taste comes primarily from what the condition of the heart is. Meaning that if the condition of the heart is calm, it is content, then the tongue will be in a position to really enjoy the taste of that food. Because the heart is calm, the heart is content. So now the right signals are being, the mind is calm, the right signals are being now conveyed to the tongue that this now must be tasted well. But if the heart and mind is overwhelmed, 
So now one is getting overwhelmed with some sudden situation, something which is a situation that has just come about, something that's understood. But where this becomes an ongoing issue in a person's life, due to other aspects of dunya, like for example, a person just lacks contentment. So you're not, not going to enjoy anything in life. Because everything that you have, there's going to be something better out there. And the mind and heart is going to be in what is not on hand. It is going to be stuck somewhere outside. And what's on hand, that is going to be of no real enjoyment then. That somebody else is driving a better car. Somebody is eating better food. Somebody is wearing better garments. Somebody is flying here and there. Somebody is doing something else. So I am not doing all this. Whereas what we have, what Na'mat Allah has blessed us with, that is countless already. And that is also, besides being countless in itself, it is more than what billions others have. But because the mind is overwhelmed with what is in the possession of a few others, can't enjoy this. That contentment is not there, you won't enjoy anything. You won't be able to appreciate any Na'mat of Allah Ta'ala. Allah forbid, despite the countless ni'mads, there will be ingratitude. There will be lack of shukr. And when there is no shukr, shukr has been uh, left aside. When shukr is missing, then misery will fill the space. There isn't a vacuum. When the person is devoid of shukr, then misery will fill the space. Why? Because there will always be a complaint about everything. Either the shukar or there is ingratitude. Now when shukar is not there, then a person will be finding some deficiency in everything. That will be the ingratitude. Everything, there will be some problem. There will be something or the other to see that no, no, this is also some problem with it. Something will be missing in it. Something about the color won't be right. Now that color won't be right, that itself becomes such a big problem now, that everything else is in place, everything is perfect, but that color is not exactly as was hoped for or desired, the color. Now does a person eat the color? Does a person really wear the color? Does a person really live in the color? No, you live in the home. The color is just a very, very last bit that just gives it a little bit of a good look. The color is not what you eat really. But yes, if some food has a good color, it makes it more presentable. So, fine, you feel good looking at something that has a good color. But the color is not what you live in. You don't live in that paint. You live in the house. You don't live in that color of the clothing. You live in the garment itself. But now because that color, now somebody else's color was a little bit more smarter. So now that color went off. So now wearing that clothes, but no color now. This, this is, that became like a thorn now, it's poking. But now this is not the exact color that I want, the exact color. That car, not the exact color now. This is, so now that, that, that becoming a thorn in everything. Or can we imagine something so futile? Nobody is saying that it is wrong to, now if you painting the house and just uh, find any kind of anything and just, you're doing it, do it fine as you want to. But now something came about which didn't come exactly what you thought you'll get. That became now the focus. 
What's the end result of that? Despite having 99.9% of it as you wanted, but that 0.1% was not as you wanted, that became a thorn. That is the thorn of incontentment. The lack of contentment. That is a thorn of nashukri. The thorn of ingratitude. And that thorn gets deeper and deeper. It spoils the enjoyment of everything else. So, we started off talking about something and digressed into a completely different topic. But in any case, Allah Ta'ala put khair and barakah in whatever is discussed. The point is that when a person will go in a different direction, lack of contentment, person will not have that summer, then there won't be any peace, that space and that void will be filled with misery. Now that misery will come out of the lack of contentment. And there will never be any happiness. Because that happiness is in the heart, it's not in the things. But if the heart is content, you'll be happy with the things. And if you're happy with the things that you have, what Allah has blessed you with, then you'll be happy, you'll be fine, you'll enjoy it also. You'll find the pleasure in those things that you have, though it might be of a far smaller, lesser nature than what others have. But you will enjoy it. And others might have far bigger things, far more colorful things, far more expensive items, and whatever else, but if they're lacking contentment, they don't even have a fraction of the joy and happiness you might have in the simple things that you have been blessed with. So this is what we need to develop. Stop completely looking around. And this world of social media that we are living in has really wrecked people's peace. Why? This is self-inflicted. What need we had to be looking at what this person is doing and that person is doing and how that person is improving their status by what they're putting on their status. That's now become the new in thing now. That everybody has to put on their status. Allah knows best how much status they how far high they've gone already. But now in that process you have to look at what this person got, that person got and the following all kinds of things on this person's social media and that person's social media platform, whatever it might be. The end result of it is, no matter what a person has, they are still feeling miserable, feeling down. Why? Because they want to look at what everybody, what they pretend to have. Much of it is just a make-believe and pretense. They are just putting one picture out there, just so that it may seem that they are also in the running. It mustn't feel like they are not in the running. Everybody else is now making big strides in this and that and the other. Seems like I'm doing nothing or I'm nowhere. So now I'll be embarrassed if I have to now suddenly meet with the same people tomorrow somewhere. They'll say only you're not posting anything. And seems like you behind time. And you don't have anything to post about. So that's become the world we're living in. Very, very artificial world. Make-believe like that whole cosmetic industry. It's all just a make-believe. So coming back to where we started off, we were talking about Rahmat and bringing the Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala. We want the Rahmat. Nobody on earth will ever say that they don't want Rahmat. Everybody wants Rahmat. No matter who it is, what his situation is, what, no matter how much he has, but he wants Rahmat. When the Rahmat comes, then the Sukoon comes, 
then the peace comes, then the happiness comes, then the conditions change for the better, then the person, dunya is dunya, dunya has its challenges, but one will be saved from the calamities, the hardships, and this is entire ummah at large, this is what we now need to look at, and the direction we need to focus on, is what is to be done to bring the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala. In the Quran Sharif, in many many places Allah Ta'ala highlights His Rahmat. In fact, right at the beginning of the Quran Sharif, Suratul Fatiha, Suratul Fatiha, when reciting Suratul Fatiha, one must start off with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. You must start off reciting the Quran Sharif, so you must start off reciting Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Already in Bismillah, there is the Sifat of Allah Ta'ala, the attributes of Allah Ta'ala, Ar Rahman, Ar Rahim. Ar-Rahman, this is exclusive to Allah Ta'ala. No human, no creation can be described with the sifat of Rahman. This is purely and exclusively Allah Ta'ala's sifat, Allah Ta'ala's attributes. Rahim is a more general level of Rahmat. Rahim, so this is something that uh, can be used to describe a person also, that this person is Rahim, meaning he is very uh, merciful, compassionate, kind but Rahman is a very high level of Rahmat which is exclusive to Allah Ta'ala and only Allah can be described as Rahman so in Bismillah already we are being given this reminder look Allah Ta'ala is full of mercy Allah Ta'ala's mercy is unlimited then in Suratul Fatiha Ar-Rahmanir Rahim again Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahmanir Rahim Allah Ta'ala's same sifat of Rahman and Rahim, throughout the Quran Sharif, repeatedly we are being reminded that look, Allah Ta'ala's mercy is ready to descend. Allah Ta'ala is wishing to descend His mercy upon every servant of His. But there is a system that we have to adopt to draw it down. In the ayat of the Quran Sharif that was recited at the beginning, Allah Ta'ala says, وَرَحْمَتِي وَسِعَتْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ My Rahmat has encompassed everything. Now, you might say that, but there's so much of uh, things that are sometimes difficulties, hardships. Had it not been for the Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala, we will not survive one moment. Indeed, the challenges are there, whatever, but that is our deficiency that we have not drawn down the special Rahmat. But despite the fact that we are so far away, so negligent, so much involved in the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala, but despite that, there is such a great level of Rahmat that still encompasses us. Think about it, just from one angle, just, just one, one line of thinking only, this is one of countless things to think about, but when a person, for example, one is the food itself, putting that food together, and all the things that went into bringing that one plate of food in front of us, that itself is such a vast amount of things that have been into it, such a big number of people that have been involved in it, in one way or the other, whether it was somebody who planted that grain in some part of the world, and somebody who tended to the crop, and somebody who harvested it, and somebody who then cleaned it, and somebody else who then packed it, and somebody else who transported it, and somebody else who did 101 other things, before it reached somewhere in the local market and then the local store and then somebody went and purchased it 
and somebody prepared it, Allah knows best, and then that's only what the number of people that were involved from the time it was planted. What about all the implements that were used and the equipment that was used in going through all these processes of whether in that harvesting or whether in that plowing of that land or whether in that uh, the machinery that was used to pack it somewhere or whether the transport that was used to bring it across. So many things, countless things. And apart from all the things that are within the uh, realm of insan, what about the sun that shone and made that grain finally ripen? What about the water Allah Ta'ala descended from the heavens that brought about this crop and enabled it to grow from, this, from the earth? What about the nutrients that Allah Ta'ala put into His sand, into that earth? That nutrients which came into this food, which insan needs all of these things for his health. And then so many things all happened. Now can we for one moment put all this together without the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala? Then the person now took that muscle and put it into his mouth. Now to, in order to be able to now swallow it, he needed to first chew it well. The chewing happened with those teeth that Allah Ta'ala blessed him. Now when the child is born, the child is born without any teeth. If that got left just like that, how much of food is going to be able to chew? How much of food he won't be able to touch anymore now? Because it's not possible for him to chew. Now this chewing happened. And then he was totally dependent on the grace of Allah Ta'ala and the mercy of Allah Ta'ala to be able to swallow that one morsel. Otherwise if Allah's rahmat was not there, he'll choke to death. The space between the where the food has to now make its way down to the stomach and the windpipe and where he's going to breathe from is so close and there's such a delicate mechanism that is involved in this to make sure that the food doesn't go into the lungs. That this, if for one brief moment the Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala is uplifted, the person will choke to death. One person, some, there was some complication of some sort these kind of things occasionally happen to teach us a lesson. Some kind of complication, he didn't even realize initially what was going on, but something happened in his throat, whatever, there was a small amount of food that was seeping into his windpipe, into the windpipe and going somehow into up to the lung. So it happened over maybe one or two days, not even a very long time. And it was a very minute amount, some complication of some sort. He became so sick by the second day, he had to be admitted into the ICU. And it was a long process before they cleaned out everything and somehow flushed it out, whatever they did. And some major procedures before he could now be discharged again. And then too he had a difficulty. And now every day we are eating so many things, drinking water, drinking so many other liquids. We don't even give it a second thought. Can we survive one, one millisecond without the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala? Then that food finally with the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala reaches the stomach. Who allows it to digest? Who allows all the various things that are nutritious for insan to be extracted from that food? Through the processes that Allah Ta'ala allowed this body to be having it, that liver that does the filtration, that function which the liver fulfills, to do that separately requires a huge amount of things, very big machinery, 
if somebody's kidney Allah forbid starts malfunctioning, failing, very big story and very costly and a big machine and then so many problems and Allah Ta'ala is allowing all this to happen in this body of insan, all purely it is His Rahmat. Now we want this Rahmat, the Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala, without this Rahmat we can't survive. How we are going to bring down this Rahmat? So in this ayat of the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says that وَرَحْمَتِي وَسِعَتْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ My Rahmat encompasses everything. We only spoke about one fraction of a fraction of a fraction of one, one matter in insan's life. This is just one aspect. There's so many countless things. We can't survive in that one. It's only Allah's Rahmat. Despite our sins, despite our disobedience, despite how neglectful we are, despite how far from Allah Ta'ala we are, but yet His Rahmat is with us, allowing all this to continue. But then, the special Rahmat Allah Ta'ala says, وَسَأَكْتُبُهَا لِلَّذِينَ يَتَّقُونَ But I will really grant this Rahmat to those who have taqwa. Now we want this Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala. We want the special Rahmat. We want that Rahmat that becomes a means of protection from all the calamities and hardships. We want the Rahmat that takes away the, the problems from our lives takes away the problems from the Ummat at large. So that Rahmat we want, that Rahmat is beyond this level of Rahmat, which allows us to eat properly, to sleep, to be functioning in day-to-day life, despite how weak we are, despite how sinful we are, but despite all that Allah Ta'ala makes all this so easy for us. Now we want that special Rahmat that also keeps us safe, that keeps the calamities and hardships away from us, that keeps us going forward in deen, that makes us become closer to Allah Ta'ala, that special rahmat Allah Ta'ala says, وَسَأَكْتُبُهَا لِلَّذِينَ يَتَّقُونَ Those who adopt taqwa, those who adopt taqwa, they are the people who will gain the special rahmat. Now this brings us to this very important point, that we need to make a devoted effort to inculcate taqwa in our lives. Right now, the conditions that are prevailing in the world and whatever is happening to our brothers and sisters in Palestine, in Gaza, what we, we are expressing verbally our pain over it, we are expressing and definitely every mu'min has this pain in their hearts. So it's a reality. But if we really are serious about helping them, so one of the most important ways to help them is that we ourselves make sincere toba. It might sound there's a link between all this, but this is a very deep link and a very important link. We make sincere toba and adopt a life of taqwa. This will be a very big help to them. Because to the extent the number of people around the world come onto taqwa, toba and taqwa, toba and taqwa, to that extent Allah Ta'ala's rahmat will now be drawn the special Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala will come. But if we have a lot of things to say, a lot of things to just analyze, a lot of things to have some comment on, but we are not doing what we are supposed to do in terms of taqwa, living a life of righteousness, shunning all sin, giving up the haram, then it is just lip service. And on the one side, while we do feel the pain, but we are also adding fuel to the fire. We are also adding fuel to the fire. We are genuinely serious about helping our brothers and sisters and to become a means of the 
calamities and hardships being uplifted, we have to bring in this life of taqwa into ourselves. We have to make sincere tawbah, turn to Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala, beg Allah's forgiveness, turn to amal, and especially in these halat, the zikr that we should be making excessively, one is ayat karima, la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al-zalimeen, and apart from that, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, if we can, we sit as a family 500 times every day, once a day, sit as a family together. And though everybody will jointly be completing the count of 500 and 100 times before and 100 times after Durud Sharif. 100 times first Durud Sharif, 500 times La Hawla Wa La Quwata Illa Billah and 100 times Durud Sharif again. At the end, a very very great personality, Mujaddid Al-Faisani Rahimahullah, he prescribed this as a very effective wazifa and a very effective recitation for the dispelling of calamities and hardships. But all this will really bring its effect on the foundation of taqwa. We bring taqwa in our lives and we also engage in all these amal. Inshallah we will see the help of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala and the rahmat of Allah ta'ala. Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma lakal hamdu kulluhu wa lakal shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk. أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخف لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير وجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارحم أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اهد أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم فرج الكرب عن أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم انصر إخواننا في فلسطين اللهم انصر المجاهدين في فلسطين وفي غزة وفي كل مكان يا رب العالمين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله